Hello traders, I'm your host, Chicago Sean, Sean McLaughlin, and this is the Trade Ideas How Do I Podcast, where we answer the universal question, how do I get the most out of trade ideas and make more money? Now, today is a special episode. It's a little off-brand, uh, a little, uh, we're not gonna be talking about features so much, but we are talking about a very important component of the trade ideas experience, and that is the people behind the scenes who make it up. So ladies and gentlemen, I wanna introduce you to our newest hire at Trade Ideas, Chris Varley. Hey, Chris, what's happening, buddy? How are you, Sean? Thank you for having me on, appreciate it. Was that a cheesy enough intro? It works for me, it okay. works for me. I'm uh, I'm the king of lame dad jokes, so I appreciate them all. <laughs> As a dad myself, I can totally appreciate that, so that's great. Um, so usually on this podcast, we talk about features, like I said, but and, and a trade ideas, of course, we talk a lot about machines. We talk a lot about algorithms and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's humans who interact with the machine, who are the brains behind the machines. So it's important to put some voices and some faces to the names that you interact with uh, when you come to trade ideas. So Chris, it's great to have you here. You joined the company about what? Is it three months ago now? How long has it been? Uh, beginning of September, yeah. So uh, two and a half months ago, roughly. Wow. Well, I hope this doesn't sound like a criticism, but it feels like you've been here for much longer because, I mean, man, you've you've just you've hit the the ground running, and man, you've you've really made an impact right away. It's in in meaningful and measurable ways. So thanks a lot, man. Seriously. Well, I I appreciate hearing the feedback, and I'll be honest. Part of me feels like I've been part of the company for much longer. I started attending all the five o'clock webinars, Barry's room back in April of 2017. And I did it as much as humanly possible, giving my you know parenting and work schedule at that time and didn't actually subscribe until later that year in July. So, and I've also listened to countless podcasts and everything. So even before I joined the the team, as you, if you will, uh, you know, interactions on Twitter with all of you guys, I almost felt like I was part of the team beforehand. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really amazing how seamlessly you, you rolled in here and it's been quite amazing to watch. And and let's talk about how you came to us, because I think this is important and instrumental for people, is that you're not just some guy that came off the street that showed an interest in software and, and trading tools. I mean, you are a customer of trade ideas for a while now. Uh, so you have been using the product. You saw the value in it. And you wanted to take that a step further and be like, hey, I want to help sing it from the rafters about how great this software is. Is that is that a fair assessment? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I've never been, a, let's call it a salesman of anything in my life. Uh, you know, I've had people try to get me in on all those, you know, pyramid schemes of selling things. It's just not my cup of tea. But uh, this is something that I have preached since, you know, after my first month of use that I, I hesitate to say, can it teach you how to trade. I don't know, you know, what you put into it is what you'll get out of it. But I can tell you that I knew absolutely nothing about trading before April of 2017 and two and a half years before I started to turn the corner on my trading. But here I am still, you know, and without blowing up any accounts. Well, that's amazing. How did you get on our radar in the first place? Like, how did this start happening where you, we entertained bringing you on as an employee? How did that start? Well, my actual introduction to trade ideas was through Twitter. I stuck kind of in a dead end job and I, I wanted to do something with my life. I had different, 
I'd always had an interest in markets, made some casual investments. I actually reached out to someone on Twitter and asked if they could teach me how to trade, and their answer was no. But <laughs> check out these websites, these free trading rooms, and then just get back to me and tell me if you even think it's something for you. It happened to be the Trading Room with Barry and Trade Ideas website. And a couple of months later, I got back to them and said, I get why you can't teach someone how to trade. And they said, if you have other questions, now I'm ready to answer them. But, you know, and that that was basically the moving forward. I reached out to Jamie, uh, Jamie Hodge via email shortly before the July test drive, not knowing that was coming up, asked him kind of the same thing if it could teach me. And he said, you know, can't tell you it'll teach you, but, you know, take the test drive. It's nine bucks. What do you have to lose? And in that week of that test drive, I, I just I felt like a whole new world was open to me, and right at the end of the test drive, I signed right up, and that's uh, that was the history of that. Wow, that's awesome! And I love that the first time you went on Twitter and asked for for somebody to teach you how to trade, their answer was no. I, I, As it should be. That's a refreshingly honest answer. I love that. You don't get that answer on Twitter a whole lot. No, no, you don't. Uh, you get a lot of people, you know, I, I'm sure you get them uh, direct messages. Oh, are you interested in binary options or God knows whatever else people are trying to sell you to get you into things. And that's how you know someone's selling you something that probably isn't legit. <laughs> yeah. As I said, kind of at the top of this call, uh, I, th I think it's important for Trade Ideas customers to to get to know the people behind the scenes here uh, because we are a people company, right? We deal with people. So it's important. But uh, I, I'll also admit to you, this is completely self-serving for me as well. I, I don't know you personally. I haven't had the chance to meet you in person yet. So this is kind of my way to learn about you. So if you don't mind, I'd like to go back a bit. I'd like to learn more about, you know, kind of where, how, how you even got to where you are now. Like, let, let's go back to like high school. When you were in high school and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you grew up in upstate New York. Is that right? That Yes, that's correct. I grew up in Lake George, New York. Okay. I am a fellow upstate New Yorker, although Buffalo, I don't know if that Buffalo, counts. Right. Yeah. That's Western <laughs> New York. Uh, I spent the first 22 years of my life in Buffalo. So we have something in common. I don't know. So... Upstate New York, Lake George, never been there. Here it's beautiful. What does a kid do in Lake George for fun when you're a teenager? Uh, really, you know, like any other national park, a lot of camping, a lot of hiking. Uh, my parents' house is uh, less than a quarter of a mile up from the lake. So, uh, you know, the beginning summers anyways, before I could take summer jobs on up there, just a lot of, a lot of swimming and things like that. We lived slightly outside what's known as the village of Lake George, so we were kind of in the woods. And so, you know, with the neighbor kids and stuff like that, a lot of what we called, we played manhunt and stuff like that, I guess what you'd call teenage hide-and-go-seek, if you will, <laughs> that kind of setting. You can't see the jealousy on my face, but you talking about growing up near the woods, near a lake, I mean, that just sounds beautiful. I live in Colorado now, and I love being near the outdoors, and man, that sounds beautiful up there. It sounds bucolic. It, it is. I mean, the, the one envy that I have from Lake George or the East Coast to where you are is uh, I grew up skiing a lot and your skiing out there is far superior to anything the East Coast has. So, you know, we have that trade off for sure. Well, when the world gets back to normal, I'm sure we'll get a ski trip in at some point. A lot of people here trade ideas. A lot of the employees here are avid skiers. So it's only a matter of time before we make that happen. Exciting to look forward to. So uh, tell me about some uh, some things you did in high school. Were, were you involved in organized sports at all? Uh, a little bit. I was more involved with uh, the golf team, actually. I played a little bit of football in junior high school. 
uh, a lot of the things with sports in small towns, a lot very becomes very town political, if you will. Sure. Um, and it just left a bad taste in my mouth with some of the different things. But uh, being uh, an avid lover of golf, it was great because you got to play all these beautiful courses across uh, what we call it there, the North Country. And essentially the school pays for all of it, busing you around and everything like that. And you get to play with your friends. And there was kids that I knew from other schools as well. So we got to have those interactions with them. And it was just, you know, a really great way to get out, do an individual sport, but with other people that you really enjoyed. So, you know, what you got out of it was what you put. You didn't have to worry about whose, you know, son is uh, the coach of this or anything like that. So that was really my kind of uh, sports scene as far as high school went. Uh, the rest of high school, just very average, kind of kept my head down, uh, showed up when I could. Um, I wasn't any kind of a big troublemaker or anything like that. I'd say my big vice was uh, any way I could get out of doing homework. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm surprised to hear that growing up in Lake George and the, the proximity to Lake Placid that uh, hockey wasn't mentioned at all. No, you know, Lake George being a really small school didn't have any kind of hockey or anything like that. The larger schools that are in some of the towns that are just south of Lake George, they had pools and swim teams and all kinds of things like that. But Lake George, I mean, we had a bowling team. It was kind of odd and random, but, you know, (laughs) that's just the way Lake George runs, I guess. Odd and random. Yeah, where I grew up in Buffalo, I guess it's no surprise being so close to Canada. But uh, but ice hockey was, you know, big, big for all kids growing up, uh, especially boys. I mean, we all either played ice hockey or played street hockey. I mean, we played street hockey every day, almost year round for years when I was a kid. That just seemed normal to us. <laughs> My younger brother and I is 15 months younger than me. And some of the neighbor kids, we had our own kind of, I don't call it a league because there's only, you know, half a dozen of us at any given time, but our own roller hockey, we were all really avid rollerbladers around the neighborhood and there were several roller hockey camps during the summers. And so we would attend those a couple of weeks at a time. And so that, that was really our big hockey thing. Uh, you know, our, our rivalries who were, who was, uh, you know, the best team. Everybody was either, you know, a New Jersey Devils fan at that point or a New York Rangers fan, you know, 92, 3, 4, 5, 6. So it was nice. a, a lot of heated battles in the uh, on the black top of the basketball courts. We were taking over for roller hockey. Oh, yeah. We, we did it on tennis courts. We, we took over tennis courts in my neighborhood, which was great because it had the fences all around so you could check people on the boards. That was the key. That, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about, did you have any, uh, did you have any jobs when you were in high school, a paper route, cooking in a kitchen, anything like that? Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know what the rules and laws are now, but in 1994, so I'd have been 12, it was two years before I could actually have working papers and worked at a, you know, things were different than under the books at a small buffet style restaurant around the corner from my parents' house as a, uh, it was my official title was toast boy and buffet food runner at 12 and that was kind of the industry. Yeah. Yeah. I was responsible for making the toast and buttering it three different (laughs) kinds. (laughs) Um, so that, that was my, uh, you know, that was my introduction to work was, uh, restaurant and kitchen work. And I kind of never really looked back until I started doing what I'm doing now. I had after high school, some casual construction jobs, different friends of mine that opened their own construction companies. And I did, you know, some odd stuff for them, more cleaning up around work sites and stuff like that. But my entire 
work or professional life has been centered around restaurants. I've done every position you could think of in them from dishwashing all the way up to a general manager uh, with the exception of it being an owner. Okay, so that that took you to where you were right before you joined uh, Trade Ideas. Was there any college in there at all or did you skip that? No, I basically skipped it. I did two, uh, three college courses for fun when I was, I guess, in my mid-20s. I took a college course for Spanish to just kind of tighten up some of my grammar and that as I speak fluent Spanish, I don't read or write it really great, but... I did that. I did an astronomy class and I did a applied slash theoretical physics class just for fun, which I found to be fun, but much harder than I thought it was going to be. Ah, I went to SUNY Buffalo. I imagine there was a SUNY school near you. Uh, well, so there's what's called Adirondack Community College. It became a SUNY school at some point. I don't know if it was at that point when I went. Like I said, I kind of just enrolled because I was bored. Sure. I had nothing else to do. So I was like, oh, I'll just go take some college courses. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's probably, I mean, that's probably the best way to do it. We're going to get off topic here for a second, but I've got a young kid at home. you got a young kid or how many kids you have? Just one daughter, seven. Okay. And she's seven? Yeah. Perfect. You and I are in the same wheelhouse. I got a six-year-old boy. And so I'm sure we're both thinking about college down the road. And man, I feel like by the time our kids get to be college age, college is going to look a lot different than what it looked like when we were contemplating college. Uh, I mean, these the costs uh, are unbearable. Uh, this COVID situation has shown people that there's more efficient ways to do college. And, and who's going to justify spending 50 grand a year to go to a college when you could do it all online for basically free? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just to think of the changes that have happened, let's say over the last six months, let alone what's going to happen over the next 10, 11 years for our kids make it even to that range. I, I couldn't even, I wouldn't even begin to speculate what it will look like, but, you know, do what any responsible or able parent can do is, you know, continue to pile away a little money, uh, responsibly save it. And when we uh, get to that bridge, cross it, hopefully appropriately with as uh, much information as we can. You said the key word there that offers the segue where I want to go next. You said the word money. So let's talk money here for a sec, Chris. <clears throat> At what point through your evolution from you know, going through the restaurant business, at what point uh, did you start having an inkling that trading was something that was a possibility for you, held an interest? Like, Was there anything you could point to that said, aha, that's where this all started? Uh, without, with the risk of being shot for saying this, uh, CNBC. <laughs> oh, no. No, it's I okay. Know, it's all right. So was, what, um, you were flipping channels and you came across CNBC and something grabbed you? Really, it was, I, I don't know what year CNBC started, but I, I, I was young enough that I was still actually living in lower New York before we had moved upstate. So maybe uh, late 80s, early 90s. And I remember my mom going through channels. I, I couldn't have been more than probably eight years old. And one of the channels she stopped on had all these tickers going across the bottom. And I asked her what it was. She had a general synopsis of what it was about stocks. And for some reason, even very young, I thought to myself, I want to do something with that later in life. Unfortunately, other decisions took me away from that as I, as I grew up, but it was something that never, it never left my mind. And then, you know, my parents, I was lucky enough that they'd put money away for, you know, me and my brothers, not just me. Uh, when I turned 21 or something like that, my mom said, all right, remember, you know, when you got X amount of money for your birthday and I took half and the other half you could spend, well, here it is. And handed me some different mutual funds 
And so just, you know, started doing my own research and turning on, you know, the, the general madness of everything, uh, CNBC, Bloomberg, whatever, and just writing things down in my own notebook and trying to, to learn. But it was more investing at that point. And I had some mild successes in it, uh, considering no real education or background. And in, in 2008, you know, I was lucky enough to buy a few different things that ended up turning out to be pretty well. And just some life situations after that kind of once again took me away from that world. Uh, and after not a messy divorce, but after a divorce, I figured, you know, there's no real future for me in restaurants. I don't love it and I don't want to manage. And so what am I going to do? And starting college at, you know, 33 or 34 years old with a kid didn't seem very practical to me. So I just figured this was something I could teach myself. I figured I taught myself how to speak Spanish fluently. I can teach myself anything. And and next thing I know, poking on Twitter, here I am. Well, I, w- I want to go back to that moment when you first discovered CNBC and you saw the numbers scrolling across the bottom of the screen. I'm wondering, like, when you saw those numbers, was, was there something in you that just had this kind of visceral reaction to numbers? Like, were you a numbers guy, a numbers kid, and numbers just made sense to you? Did you think in numbers? Like, that kind of thing. No, not at all, to be honest. It was it was just more of a visual thing, the action, the movement of it. Uh, you know, I know TV can frame anything to be exciting, but, you know, you're seeing these interviews and people talking about things, and for some reason, just the way it was framed to me with that going across, there was an excitement that, that it lit inside of me that once again, like I said, it never, it never really went away. I mean, now coming, moving forward in life as I see it, you know, not going to knock CNBC, but it's the news. Sure. Well, you and I both know that the trading is a hard endeavor and, and many attempt it and few actually make it, right? I mean, we can argue about what those percentages are, but the, the, the fact of the matter it is, is that trading is hard and who, those who are successful are, are rare. I shouldn't say rare, but uncommon. Let's say that. Success is uncommon. Can you, do you remember a moment, like was there a book you read or a, a story you read about somebody where you kind of, started putting numbers to the story like oh wow traders can make that kind of money like whoa did you ever have that moment that was an aha for you at at the beginning of doing the the research so the person that turned me on to trade ideas on twitter said i'll give you just one book to read and it was actually tools and tactics for the master day trader uh, oliver velez book and you know just kind of going through that and not just the money aspect of it the freedoms that come with it. Now, w- with any job, obviously, there's some sort of hours, but the idea of working from home and more being on your schedule, obviously, there's a market schedule that we have to keep to, but n- nobody's writing that schedule. Nobody's telling me what time to get up in the morning. So it wasn't just the money that came through that book or, you know, what was being illustrated in that sense, but but the freedom that y- y- you can't, p- you know, you can't put a value on that. I love that you mentioned mentioned Oliver Velez. Uh, Michael, who you and I both work with here at Trade Ideas, Michael and I uh, had the opportunity to meet Oliver Velez at a trading conference uh, earlier last year. And it was just kind of random. We didn't know he'd be there. And all of a sudden we saw him speaking on stage. And I was like, hey, I, I remember that name from a long time ago. And we ended up having a, a short chat with a guy. Nice guy. Great guy, actually. And he, he gave a presentation that scared the shit out of us, by the way. But that's a story for another time. <laughs> But hey, I don't want to make this about me, but I do want to kind of relate my quick story of when, of how I 
when I was early in my trading career, when the eye, when the light bulb went off, it's like, oh, you can make that kind of money. Like that moment happened to me kind of in phases. Uh, the first phase was I think I read a story like in Fortune magazine or something about these traders in Texas who were doing so's trading and and they were making you know thousands of dollars a day and and you know that set in my mind, but I didn't really internalize it much. I just I was aware of it, but I didn't feel it. Right. It wasn't until I walked into an actual trading office in Tampa, Florida with a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine who was interested in trading, not me. I was just kind of along for the ride. And we met some traders in, in this office and we were seeing what they were doing. And I started talking to a guy and I saw him doing it. Like as I was sitting there talking with him in like a span of like 10 minutes, he made 500 bucks. And I was like, holy shit, did you just make 500 bucks in like two minutes? How'd you do that? And as I got to know this guy a little bit more, it turned out uh, that this guy, he would start trading at 930 in the morning, right when the market opened every day. And he had a very simple goal of making 500 bucks a day. He didn't care if he made that 500 bucks in the first five minutes of the day, if he didn't make it until noon, or if he had to stay all the way to the close. But as soon as he hit his 500 bucks, he was out the door. And this guy was a machine. He did this every day. He was the most disciplined trader I ever met. I ended up working with the guy. And every single day, well, I shouldn't say every single day, but 19 days out of 20, he hit 500 bucks at some point in the middle of the day, and he was gone. See you later. <laughs> and I, I love that. Story. And just seeing that, I was like, yes, okay, this is something I want to do. Like eventually we had bigger goals, but I mean, just seeing that a guy can make 500 bucks a day to a kid who's 22 years old in the late nineties at the time, I was like, that's awesome. So that was my, that's what turned my head, I guess. I, I really love that story. And I, I like that you talk about the, the discipline that he had to know he had a goal, he made it and he walked away, which, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, when we talk about the difference between trading and gambling, that's trading, not gambling. Yeah, I mean, I'm still in awe of it. Uh, Twenty some years later, I still amazed because because he was one of the best traders I ever knew, and and he probably could have made a hell of a lot more money, but he was just like, I'm good, man. Five hundred bucks a day, I'm good. That's more than enough money I need to live on, and and he knew that about himself. And hey, man, he lived a much better life than the rest of us. I could tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Chris, um, I've had you for uh, almost 25 minutes now, so I, and I, I know you're busy. We're all busy here. It's the middle of the trading day, so I appreciate you taking the time. I, I don't want to speak for our customers because I, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to. Uh, on behalf of the customers of Trade Ideas, we're really happy that you're here. But you, you've made a, like I said before, you've made an immediate and measurable impact right away, helping out with support, helping out with sales, helping out with marketing. Uh, everybody sees it. Everybody's feeling it. And the customers are noticing it. So thank you. Seriously. Thank you, buddy. I really appreciate that. You know, this is, it's all very, very new to me. Uh, you know, I have a customer service experience, but it was more face to face. And, you know, so this is something different and, you know, it's really, really nice to hear good feedback. So I know that I'm on the right track and every day improve a little bit more. Well, I'm glad to know you a little bit better now. So thank you for that. Uh, again, this was self-serving on my part. <laughs> <laughs> But I hope uh, our customers got a good sense of who you are and, and you're very approachable. And I'm looking forward to the day when we could all finally hang out together, uh, not only just me and you, but the whole team. And uh, I'm sure that day is coming. So, Chris, until then, I'll talk to you online, my friend. Thank you very much, Sean. I really appreciate you having me on. It was great, it was great talking to you. 